traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist. I'm Anne McElvoy, Senior Editor, and you're listening to The Economist Asks. This week, The Economist asks whether the proposed merger of the London Stock Exchange and Deutsche Börse should go ahead. The intended deal has already unleashed fierce arguments, and as the regulators weigh up the challenges, they may be about to get even fiercer. For some, it's a matter of national economic pride – bringing together two powerful rivals and ending the London Stock Exchange's 300-year history of independence. For others, the increased scale of a combined enterprise based in London would add global firepower to a new mighty institution. Under the £21 billion merger, the combined group's headquarters would move to London, giving the German Bursa's chief executive, Carsten Kengetta, the top job, and Xavier Rollet, the present head of the London Stock Exchange, would stand down. But most significant in weighing up whether Europe's two biggest stock exchanges should be joined in marriage is how to maximise the security they offer as clearinghouses for big deals, positioned in the middle of trades, ensuring that the risks to the financial system are minimised. Consolidating the big clearinghouses might then be seen to concentrate risk in a single institution. And that was our concern in a leading article published on April the 2nd, which concluded that without more separation of the two clearinghouses and sounder guarantees in the event of a default, the tie-up should not go ahead. So to thrash out the advantages and perils of a giant stock exchange merger, I've brought together Xavier Rollet and our Buttonwood columnist on financial affairs, Philip Coggan. So Xavier, give me, if you could, a clear reason why you think this deal should go ahead. Well, there's a whole range of reasons. The first one is that a significant portion of the exchange industry is engaged in the creation of global competitors. There is a whole suite of customers, investors corporate issuers, investment banks, insurance companies, sovereign funds, insurance, you name it, financial services professionals who today are running already and have been for quite a number of years running global businesses. Our industry, an infrastructure industry, the exchange industry as it's sometimes described, is really 15 to 20 years behind the times. And if you look at it on a global basis, remains fundamentally a bit of a cottage industry. The London Stock Exchange and the Deutsche Börse are both seen as powerful in their worlds. Is it fair, really, to call them cottage industries, which sounds like they can't do something that they might otherwise be able to do? Well, we don't want to be part, and in fact, are not planning, and our strategy is not to be part of the cottage side of that industry. We have separately engaged in a globalization of our business, expansion, and as it so happens today, our businesses are highly complementary. Philip Coggan, you've written extensively on this, a merger of equals. Good idea? Well, I think we have some worries, as our uh, recent editorial said, about the 
prospect of two very big exchanges merging. There are about four or five, depending on how you define it, big exchanges in the world. And the whole drift of regulation since the crisis has been to move risk away from the banks. And one direction to move it is into the clearinghouses. But of course, if you have a very risky clearinghouse, that doesn't make the system any safer. So my question for Xavier is, are you merging and putting all the eggs in a potentially more risky basket? We are not arguing or proposing a merger of clearinghouses, a commingling of the margin pools of the default funds, an interoperability or any other form of risk algorithms commingling between these clearinghouses. They would remain exactly the way they are today, separately managed, separate default fund, separate margin, separate regulatory framework. So they would not be any riskier, to use your word, than they are today. There is a very, very interesting point, and it's an important point. It's at the core of this whole consolidation. There are two different models for clearinghouses and exchanges to operate. The traditional model, so-called silo model, where an exchange offers some contracts, usually underpinned by an index like an S&P, a FTSE 100, an A15 China, you name it. Then they offer a trading platform where buyers and sellers can exchange those those products, the futures contracts, and they are then cleared, supported by a clearinghouse and sometimes a settlement house. The traditional industry provides a silo under which if you want to trade, you also have to clear and settle with the same company with a bundled fee. This is not our model. This actually segregates the clearing pools, fragments the clearing pools, reduces the netting and the compression opportunities. Our model is underpinned by a concept that we at LSE Group have promoted, lobbied for, and finally got into European legislation. It's unique in the world, called MIFID II. It's a notion that you can access these services without being forced to buy all the other ones. Philip, what do you think about Xavier's proposal, and are you reassured? If we go back to the point of risk, the concern that we expressed was about this idea of cross-margining. So... The risk of a clearinghouse is that if the people who trade go bust and the clearinghouse doesn't have enough money to meet the trades, then the whole system disappears. So that's why clearinghouses have margin and people who participate pay money over to the clearinghouse to cover that risk. The big question for Xavier is really whether at the end of this process of mergers there will be less margin in the system than there would be if LSE and Deutsche Börse agreed not to merge. Will there be more money available in the system or less? Well, you've made a very important point, which is that clearinghouses collect different types of margins against the risk. They market to market. They collect an initial margin when the trade is is initially transacted. And then on a daily basis, and it actually can also be intraday, it needs not, not be only at the end of the day, they collect additional margin, variation margin, to account for the way the underlying instruments can move, change, and vary. So the clearinghouse always has a substantial amount of margins 
to cover the potential unwinding. As far as I can gather from that answer, there will be less margin because you believe there's less risk. So the question is on what do you base the less risk. We saw before 2007, people thought there was less risk in the system. We discovered there was a lot more risk than they thought. Whether you might find that the cross-margining calculations or assessments of risk turns out to be wrong in a future crisis, and that's what makes the system fragile. I'd like to talk about the roles and the views of different countries in this. Um, We have the British press, or at least parts of it, saying, well, you know, this is actually uh, this is the London Stock Exchange, it's a jewel in the crown, there's perhaps an element sometimes of even economic nationalism in that argument. We might get the worst end of the deal with these Germans. You read the German press, they're worried they're going to get the worst end of the deal. Who is going to get the worst end of the deal, or do we know? The fact that there are some concerns on both sides, but also understanding of what we're doing, probably proves that we have ended up where we want it to be, which is a balanced model of not a takeover, not an acquisition, but an almost textbook case of merger of equals. This is an equity transaction where effectively two companies, a little bit like a marriage, decide to come together. They're not looking to take the advantage over the other. They're looking to share equally. Philip, are you of the opinion that it would be better for these institutions to stay separate, not to get involved in these mergers in the first place? There are historically good examples of mergers, but the economic case, the academic case for mergers is very mixed. So it's usually incumbent on the two companies merging to prove that things will be better off. Part of the lower costs that justify this merger are to do with this saving on margining, which we worry that will make the system slightly less safe. And do you have any sense, either of you, about which way regulators are tending at the moment? Of course, we have regulators in Germany, regulators in the UK. They might take rather different views. They're different regulatory environments. Xavier? Well, we have 60 regulators around the world. We operate in a range of uh, markets, and I, I certainly can't speak for, on behalf, or prejudge anything regulators, be they prudential regulators, be they securities regulators, be they competition authorities, would say, as you can imagine, we would not embark on a transaction of that sort uh, without continuing to uh, keep our channels of communication fully open, as we always do uh, with all our regulators. The regulatory structure we propose, our open access structure, does not mean that from a risk standpoint, systemically, we are commingling or increasing the risk profile. The platform remains exactly the way they are today under the existing regulatory control with the appropriate algorithmic controls, balance sheet controls, regulatory capital controls. That is something that is exactly part of ideal and which, of course, ultimately the regulators will, will be asked to opine on. What about your role here, Xavier, as the first Frenchman to do the job in London? You've already healed some historic breaches there. But under this deal, as I understand it, you'll have to leave the top position. Have you just negotiated yourself out of a job? It's not the way it happened. I had no expectations that uh, you know to leave. As I said, I love this company. I love my job. We have actually proceeded with 16 acquisitions in the last seven years. And they've all been successful and properly integrated. So whilst I agree that the case for M&A sometimes could be mixed, when it works, it's beautiful. But in this particular transaction, merger of equals, there were some substantive concessions that certainly we were looking for, that I was looking for. Uh, we think London deserves as a global international financial center and the leading to retain the TOPCO, uh, the tax domicile, 
the governance, which will be under UK rules. Obviously, the board will be balanced. After a few years, the board will basically function like any other uh, UK uh, listed uh, company. But that was obviously a significant concession. And I decided to offer effectively to fall on my sword to offer an offsetting transaction to enable this transaction to proceed. Philip, does it make any difference who runs this institution? Do you think it's different depending on who's at the head of it, whether it's a, a merger with a boss at the head of it? Is there still such a thing as culture in here as well as economics and finance? There's some culture, but I don't think it matters that we've been... The London Stock Exchange has been run by a Frenchman for many years. I don't think anybody has felt that Xavier has taken a, you know, a, a French approach to things. And London has always been referred to as the suffering from the Wimbledonization of uh, investment banking in which we don't win the tournament, but we, ha- we stage it. Though Andy Murray perhaps uh, proved that slightly wrong. Britain is a very open trading nation in which you know, we have had many successful imports of executives and businesses, car industry is another example, and I don't think we should worry about that at all. We've said in our leading article that on the basis of the evidence that we had at the time, the merger should be blocked. Do you think it will be blocked? Personally, I don't think so. I wouldn't prosecute a transaction if I felt that didn't have the uh, condition to succeed. Certainly, without prejudging regulators, of course, review and decision, that we have a very, very solid case. Has Xavier Rollet gone some way towards assuaging your fears or would he need to still go a bit further? I think he's made a very good case. Uh, I would like to see more details of exactly how the cross-margining would work and whether or not there would be less margin in the system than before. Philip Coggan and Xavier Rollet, thank you both very much. You've been listening to The Economist Asks and you can read our ongoing coverage of the London Stock Exchange merger at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.